Good morning. First off, I just want to invite everybody to uh, prayer night this evening, which is here at the downtown YMCA. We actually have it upstairs. You're never uh, forced to pray out loud or anything like that, but if you would join us, there's something powerful when a church family and a church community comes together in prayer, so we hope to see you there. I would like to share with you a story about a gentleman named Carl McCunn, a friendly Texan who moved to Alaska in the late 1970s and he got a job working with the Trans-Alaskan Pipeline. Now Carl concocted an adventure. This is an adventure that has made its way into more than one book and it has puzzled the residents of the 49th state for the years since. You see, Carl came up with an idea of going on a photo expedition. A five-month trip in which he was going to be dropped off into a distant part of the state of Alaska, and he would just spend the summer taking pictures. So that in and of itself is, is not that unusual. So he put together a plan for this adventure. And his friends remembered how prepared he was and how detailed that he was in his preparation. He arranged for a plane to take him in March of 1981 to a place near the Colleen River at a very remote lake. He took a couple of rifles a shotgun, 1,400 pounds of provision, and 500 rolls of film. This was in the day you had rolls of film. He set up his tent, and he went about that season of isolation, blissfully unaware of the oversight that would eventually cost him his life. You see, Carl had made no arrangements to be picked up. I mean, of all the things to forget. He had a plane drop him off, but he didn't talk to anyone about making sure that they would come back and pick him up. And he didn't even realize his unbelievable blunder until August. And we know this because he left behind a 100-page diary that the Alaskan troopers found near his body the following February. And in an understatement the size of Mount McKinley, McCunn wrote, I think I should have used more foresight about arranging for my departure. The days shortened. And the air chilled and he began to search the ground for food and the sky for rescue. By the end of September, the snow was piling and the lake was frozen and his supplies were almost gone. By late November, he was out of food. He was out of strength. And he was out of optimism. And one of his final diary entries 
reads, this is sure a slow and agonizing way to die. Isolated with no hope of rescue. Trapped with no exit. Nothing to do but wait for the end. It's a chilling story. It's a puzzling story. I mean, how does that happen? I mean, he knew that it was a temporary stay. He knew that this time in the wilderness, that this adventure was just going to be a season in his life. I mean, how can somebody know that and not make any preparation for the future? And yet people do it all the time. All the time, just kind of go through life. No exit strategy, no preparation, little thought of what's coming next. You see, the Bible is very clear in its description of this life as a short-term assignment. It's a temporary thing. We're just passing through. The Bible calls it a season. So my hope today is to not only get you thinking about what lies ahead, but also what the Bible teaches us as Christians that we can look forward to in the next season. And I'm going to give you four points today that will hopefully inspire you to live this life focusing on that prize. So we have to begin today by talking about what we all know is eventually coming. Death. Death is a 100% certainty. We're just not certain when it's going to happen. So to not prepare for something that we know is going to happen is foolish. It's no different than the story I told you. It's no different than Carl McCunn's story. It's like having no exit strategy. But man, we'd rather not talk about it. Mm. We'd rather not be reminded of it because, because that can be a little uncomfortable. For some of us, the mere thought terrifies us. So we'd rather just not think about it. And the problem with this is the first point of the day. The way we view death impacts the way we live life. The way we view death impacts the way we live life. Ecclesiastes 7, verses 1 through 4. The day one dies is better than the day he is born. It is better to spend your time at funerals than at festivals, for you are going to die, and it is a good thing to think about it while there is still time. Sorrow is better than laughter, for sadness has a refining influence on us. Yes, a wise man thinks much of death, while the fool thinks only of having a good time right now. 
So the way you view death will impact the way that you live your life. See, the person that says when you die, that's it, end of story, they will make decisions in life that reflect that way of thinking. See, if there's no goal, if there's no goal to focus on, if there's no judgment, then there's, there's not a belief that we're going to be held accountable for our actions. So if nobody cares, why should we? And there's certain things that you might be willing to do if you think that no one else is watching. Or you think that no one's going to know about it. I have two granddaughters. They're both four. Adrian is on the left. Annabelle has a hold of my bald spot. She's on the right. Thank you, Annabelle. A couple months back, Adrian stayed the weekend with us. And all the kids were, they were gathered around the table. And they were all playing games. Everyone but me. My wife says every party needs a pooper. And I'm the party pooper. But honestly, I don't trust my wife's games. Some of you people know this. So they're playing a game that's called Bean Boozled. Some of you have heard of this game. This is a jelly bean eating game where you pull the top, you push down, raise it back up, and two jelly beans magically appear. And you have to eat one. I mean, it sounds like a yummy game. But let me tell you, these are not ordinary jelly beans. You see, each color has an evil twin. And we'll go to the back. I'm going to read this. It says, Caution. Whenever you have caution on a game, you know you're in trouble. Caution. These jelly beans may look alike, but they could not taste more different from each other. Think you can tell them apart? We dare you. And you look at some of these flavors. You could have black licorice or it could be skunk spray. There's moldy cheese, canned dog food, baby wipes, rotten egg, barf. You see why I don't join in on family night? So they were playing this game, and it was my granddaughter Adrian's turn to go, and a green one and a black one popped up. So she picked green, and she popped it in her mouth. She started to chew, and we, we instantly knew that she had chosen poorly. And she was getting a full dose of a booger-flavored jelly bean. She spit it out and decided that she would hang out with me in the living room. Now the next morning, my wife gets up and she's cooking bacon and eggs. Well, Adrian wakes up, walks down the stairs, comes into the living room, and my wife says, are you hungry or did you get full eating that booger? And Adrian looked at her and said, how did you know I just ate a booger in bed? (laughs) 
My wife said I didn't. I was talking about the game. Here's my point, because I do have one. We have a tendency to live our lives differently when we aren't thinking about one day being held accountable for what we are doing. In that scripture that I just read, Solomon is saying it's wise to be thinking about death because it will actually sharpen your understanding about life. And it will make you change the way that you're doing things. But man, we don't like to discuss death. And I think that one of the reasons it's so unsettling to us is there just seems to be so much uncertainty about it. I mean, we can't fully comprehend death. So I think before we get an understanding how life here on earth ends, we must first understand how it all began. So to do that, I'm going to go to the beginning of the Bible... The beginning of creation in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. It says, The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. So here's my second point of the day You are not who you are because of your body. You are who you are because of your soul. You are not who you are because of your body. You are who you are because of your soul. So in the beginning, God formed the man from the dirt, brought up from the dust. He formed the body. But he was a lifeless statue until God breathed into him. You see, God gave him a soul. That's the breath of life. And it's crazy because we as a society seem to put all the emphasis on the body. Oh, you've got to look good in the swimsuit. You've got to look like all these other people in the magazines. And we spend all this money. And we spend all this time taking care of our bodies when in actuality the body is a container for the soul. Your soul is what gives you life. So if life begins when the soul enters the body, then this life ends when the soul departs the body. And in the Bible, the definition of death means to separate. You see, when you and I use the word death, what we're talking about is what James 2 verse 26 calls the body without the spirit. You see, in death, we know what happens to the body. We see that. That's not the uncertainty part for us. What happens to the soul? When it separates from the body. You see, here lies our struggle that we battle with here. So to find this answer, we are going to once again go to the Bible. 
where Jesus, who I might add is very qualified to talk to us about death, tells this story in Luke chapter 16, verse 19. He says, There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. So Jesus tells us about two men. Tells us about a poor man, tells us about a rich man. One man seems to have everything. The other appears to have nothing. Jesus goes on, he says, The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried in hell where he was in torment. He looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So both men died. Poor man died, rich man died. Death doesn't care how much you got in the bank. Death doesn't care where you live. Death doesn't care how you live. Both men equally dead. But notice that when Jesus, when he's discussing both men and their deaths, he uses a conjunction, not a period. A conjunction which leads into something else, not a period which represents the end. So my third point that I want to make is death isn't the end of anything. It's the beginning of everything. Death isn't the end of anything. It's the beginning of everything. It says... The poor man died and the rich man died and. You see, their stories didn't end with death. When a person dies, the reason it's not over is because the thing that died is only the body, not the soul. Remember, you're not who you are because of your body. You're who you are because of your soul. So their dying wasn't the end of anything, but as we're going to see, is the beginning of everything. So both men died, and both men's souls are carried away. There's the separation. Jesus says the beggar, Lazarus' soul, was carried away by angels to Abraham's side. This is a term meaning heaven. Abraham being a highly revered person in Jewish history. He was a protector. He was a patron. So Jesus is using this term, attempting to convey the sense that Lazarus went to a place of rest. Lazarus went to a place of contentment, a place of peace. Man, what an experience this must have been for poor Lazarus. I mean, one moment he's collapsed at the gate of a very rich man, he's a dying beggar, and the next moment he's being carried away by angels to heaven. And in life it appeared that he had nothing. And in death he has everything. And in a sad contrast, 
The rich man finds himself in torment, in hell with no one to help, assist, or console him. A place the Bible describes as weeping and gnashing of teeth. You can read the rest of the story yourself. That was all that I needed to actually make my point. But if you do read it, you're going to see that the roles get reversed. And the rich man is now the one begging for water. And begging for someone to go warn his family that, hey, this place is real. Not to live life the way he had. And then being told that if you won't believe the scriptures that's set before you, you're not going to believe anybody else when they come to tell you. Man, it's a scary story, really. And we're all going to die. And our souls will separate from our bodies. And there's only two options given in Scripture for where they'll go. People can make up all the other ones they want. But the Bible says two of them. You're either going to go to heaven or you're going to go to hell. You will spend eternity in one of these two places. My fourth point The choice we make now is the choice God honors later. The choice we make now is the choice God honors later. You see, you don't make your choice about heaven and hell when you get there. You're making your choice about heaven and hell now. And eternity is a place where the choice you and I make in this season is going to be honored in the next season. I mean, if I make a choice on this earth and I say, God, I want you at arm's length. God, you you stay over there. I'm going to stay over here. You see, if I make that choice, God honors it when I get to eternity and I live in separation from him. Now, if I make a choice and I say, God, you're going to be my priority. I want to be closer to you. I want to understand more about you. I want to learn more about you. God's going to honor this and I'll live eternity in his presence, close to him, following him. Amen. God says, have it your way. Says it's your choice. Now, God gives us. Two commandments in Matthew 22, verse 37. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. The rich man didn't go to hell because he was rich. There's nothing wrong with money. I wish I had more of it. (laughs) The rich man allowed money to be his God. You see, his riches, his fancy things, they had a hold of his heart. That's what he lived for and his actions showed it. He wouldn't even share crumbs with a poor, starving neighbor. He made a choice 
He lived according to that choice, and then God honored that choice. And Lazarus, though it appeared that he had nothing in actuality, that man had everything. Even though things were tough, hey, even though things in his life were trying, he had made a decision. He chose God, and God honored that. Man, not everything that we go through in life's fair. You guys know that. Not everything's fair. We don't live in a perfect world. Man, there's thieves that prey on people, taking stuff that's not theirs, crazy religious nuts that blow up buildings, moms and dads get divorced, people have sicknesses, but your choice shouldn't waver because of your circumstances. James 1 verse 2 says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love Him. Your reward is not here. Your reward will be in heaven. Isaiah 35 verses 5 and 6, Then... Will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped? Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Revelation 21 verse 4, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Nothing here will ever trump anything there. And if you're a Christian, which means you've given your life to Jesus Christ because to choose God is to choose Jesus Christ. In John 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. John 3, 16, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So if you are a Christ follower, you do not have to fear death. Because you are fearing something that you will never experience. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The moment you leave the body... You will be in the presence of God and you won't even experience the very thing that some of you, that causes some of you the most fear. How can this not change the way you look at things? I mean, this is the difference between a funeral and a celebration. You see, God gave the Apostle Paul a glimpse of heaven. Just a glimpse of heaven. And in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9, Paul says, "No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him." Paul can't even describe heaven. He can't even describe it. He's saying this place is so amazing, there's not even words for it. 
You're not even going to believe what awaits us. Your mind cannot even comprehend what God has planned for you in the next season. Amen. So much to the point that he struggled with being here. Paul looked forward to death. He said, you know what? That's the prize. That's the prize I'm going for. He basically said, you know, I'm going to treat this life as a race. And it's going to be a race to get there. Nothing's going to stop me from attaining it. Everything I do from here on out is to help me reach that. That's my focus. And that should be our focus. Not here. This is just a season. Imagine this rope just goes on forever. Just goes on and on. Now imagine that this rope is a timeline of your existence. And you see this red part? This would represent your time here on earth. This little red part. That represents your time here on earth. I mean, you've got very few short years here. And then you have all of eternity somewhere else. That's your existence. And to think that so many people, man, they only think about this red part. This is like all that they focus on. Focus on this red part. And they get like consumed with just this part here. And they say, oh man, I can't wait till I like get to this part right here. And I'm going to work so hard and I'm going to save and I'm going to save. Because I really want to be able to enjoy this part right here. What about this part? Man, what about all of this? That's what I want to invest in. And it's crazy because the Bible says that what I do during this little red part determines how I'm going to, where I'm going to live forever and ever and ever in eternity. So why would I want to spend this part just worrying about myself and trying to make me and my little world just as happy as I can be? Just enjoy this little part here as much as I possibly can. Paul says, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live my life for this prize. This prize right here. I'm going to spend my life. I'm going to invest my life for that moment. When I cross that line. When I cross that line right there. I'm going to forget about all the other stuff. I'm going to be like a runner. I'm going to keep my eyes focused on the finish line. I'm not going to look behind anymore. I'm not going to look over to the side because you know what? That stuff's tempting. Man, that stuff is. That stuff is tempting. 
but I'm going to stay focused. I'm straining and I'm stretching for this prize. I'm going to pass this thing. And I'm looking forward to that moment when I face God. Because when I face Him, I don't get this chance over again. Got one shot at this thing. And the truth is it could end at any second for us. We've got one shot at this and then comes eternity. Can you imagine that moment? When we get to stand before God in all His majesty and all His glory when we get to see friends and loved ones that have passed and we get to see how happy they are we get to see how healthy they are we get to go in the presence of Jesus Christ I invite you to stand as we imagine this moment together
God, we thank you for the reminder today. The reminder that not only how short that this season is, but how truly amazing the next one's going to be. God, thank you for inspiring us through your words to just look at life a little differently. And that we don't have to fear death if we trust the one who conquered death. God, allow our beliefs to show the choices that we make as we live our lives focusing on the prize. In Jesus' powerful name, amen. Know you're always loved in this place. See you next week. If you need prayer or if you've never given your life to Christ, there's going to be a prayer team up here. Come forward, please.